When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You dudes are beacons of radio perfection. Mackey and Judd. I, I love you guys. On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackey and Judd. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. All right, questions is here. In, in a half hour, we're going to talk to longtime Gopher baseball assistant. He's the assistant head coach, and this is his last year. So last night was his last game ever coaching at Seabird Field. Uh, Rob Fornis here at uh, twelve thirty. But questions is here. Yes, questions has arrived. Let's Michael talk to Kendricks. Him. <laughs> yes, I, he's going to sign with the Browns now. Is that where we're at? Yes, because that's Ian Rappaport said he was going to. Mm-hmm. Kendricks himself on Twitter told Ian Rappaport basically to go bleep himself. Mm-hmm. In so many words. And now we have multiple reports from Schefter, from Yahoo, from Chris Thomas and Pioneer Press. A million different people all say, yes, this is happening. One-year deal worth uh, up to three and a half million bucks. Michael Kendricks, Eric Kendricks' brother, to sign not with the Vikings who we visited last week, but with the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns. Yeah. You want to say that again very slowly? The Cleveland Browns mm-hmm. going from a Super Bowl winning Philadelphia Eagles team to the Cleveland. <laughs> okay, all right, yes, that's, right, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the question: He visited the Vikings, brand new facility, NFC Championship game team, his own flesh and blood on the team. You might not like him, and he chose to sign with the other team, who I will not name. What does this say about A, the Vikings, and B, Eric Kendricks? A, it says nothing about the Vikings, and B, it says that Cleveland said, here's more cash than anyone else will pay you. And so, okay. and, and, and by the way, Cleveland, believe it or not, is improving. That linebacker core is not bad. And if I'm, if I'm Michael Kendricks, and I've got my brother playing middle linebacker and Anthony Barr playing a lot, and you're in nickel all the time, and you tell me about these new fangled plans that, that you have, I might say to myself, well, that sounds really good, but I'm not positive that's, that's going to work. Because if Barr starts to play in multiple positions, and it works okay, but not great, the default is going to be, hey, Michael, you're coming out of the game now, and Barr's going back to his uh, natural position. I don't think it says a thing about the Vikings. I think it says that... That not surprisingly, the contract that Cleveland offered was probably more. And two, there's going to be a real opportunity to play a lot for a defense that might not be nearly as bad as we think it's going to be. Okay, are we 100% sure the Vikings offered him a contract? Because they worked him out. 
Dumb so, question. Do it, we know? Do we know that they offered him a contract? Is it possible they worked him out and they're what, like? Uh, from what Doogie said, it sounds it sounds like they told him we'd like to have you. We can't pay you as much. Here, here's your potential role. And the selling point is that we are going to move Bar around more, so you'll play. You'll play more than you think you're going to play. Okay. I think that's what they probably they probably didn't like make an official. Here's the contract. I just think I think knows? it's weird that him and his agent both came out and were super pissed that Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter were linking him to the Browns. Almost like the Browns all along were just this sort of propped up dummy team that I guess if we need to, it's a fallback option. We can sign with the Browns, but we'd rather use the Browns as leverage to get say more money from the Vikings or somebody else. And now that I don't know, now that news has leaked out, it's there's a weird gap. Why would the agent deny it? And why would Michael Kendricks be so mad at Ian Rappaport for reporting it? No respect. I have no idea. Isn't it weird? Yes, but I have no clue. So to me, that signals other teams didn't make an offer or the gap between, like you're saying, the Browns offer yeah, and the Vikings offer so wide that they were just using the Browns as, I don't know. And then they got stuck? They were using them as, like, leverage. No, we didn't really mean it. And now they're stuck. No! It reminds me of the time in a fantasy baseball auction when pitchers were going for 50 bucks a pop and I threw out 20-win pitcher John Garland. And you got Like, him. I went, like, 20 and 9 one year, and I threw him out. I said, ah, 20 bucks. John Garland, 20 bucks. Crickets. Going once. Oh, I've done that. Going twice. I've done that. Hey, uh, we're going to sign with the Browns. Yep, totally. We're in. (laughs) We're in. Wait. Wait. Vikings? (laughs) Hello? Rick? Rick? (laughs) Rick's just laughing. Oops, that's not the Rick. That's not. I went for the Rick soundbite, but it's not there anymore. We'll try it another time. (laughs) Nice effort. Uh, Question number two. There is a hockey game tonight. Game four, Stanley Cup final in D.C. A chance for the Washington Capitals to go up three games to one on those pesky golden nights of Las Vegas. We've chronicled our friend Chris Long and his love for the Capitals, his diehard, lifelong love of those Capitals, and the nervousness and excitement and joy he's felt throughout these playoffs. Put yourself back in the mind of Chris Long. Wow. What will make you more nervous as a Caps fan tomorrow? Having the team lost Game 4, even at 2-2, or having the team won Game 4, now up three games to one with an epic chance to blow the series. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so mean. Um, I would say the underdog role would make me more comfortable so, because two, of the okay. history of the franchise. <laughs> yeah. So you'd rather be 2-2 two, two I think I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a... Because they are the hockey Vikings. So I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a Vikings fan in that moment. Every time they've been on the doorstep of winning... They miss a field goal wide left. Throw they throw an interception. That feeling you have <laughs> when they're trying to protect something versus they're down by 10 and they're in frantic mode trying to make a comeback, right, in the second half. There's something a little bit more comforting because you, you feel like you have less to lose even though you don't as a fan. When they're down by 10, oh, the game is pretty much over unless they mount a comeback, right, as opposed to this creeping death fear that Vikings fans and Capitals fans have had for decades, I would feel more comfortable if my team was trailing in the series and trailing in a game. Or just at least tied. Okay, 2-2. Two, two, two. That'll be 2-2. Two, two. Sure. Yeah, 3-1. to one, I think long, Longer will freak out. I don't think it's good for him. 3-1, to one, because then, then you're just like, okay, how's it going to come undone? How's it going to... Uh, what are the Caps going to do to screw this up? So... 
Two two would be there'd be anxiousness to it, but three to one, I think there'd be fear. There'd be fear and loathing of something's going to go incredibly wrong. Can I tell you that you're right? Fear and loathing of Las Vegas. (laughs) Yeah, that's very good. Can I tell you guys a little story from Saturday night? I almost saw Chris Long's marriage end over the Capitals. Oh my! I want to hear this. Yes, I almost saw. I almost saw the end of it. So a few of us close friends uh, gathered for Chris's wife's birthday, a little dinner, and then we actually went and played whirly ball in Maple Grove. I don't know if you guys have done that. Heard of it. Never done it. Sounds like fun. It's bumper cars on a kind of a court. It's like a magnetized court so the bumper cars can lock when they shut it off. Uh And it's like basketball backboards without the hoop, and it's an electronic zone that you with a lacrosse, like a plastic lacrosse or pickleball type stick, you throw a wiffle ball and you try to hit the electronic zone. It's like basketball combined with lacrosse, combined with reckless driving and some alcohol involved. <laughs> so anyways, that was super fun. Before that, so the Caps uh, game was a game, uh, game three. Game three, yeah. Puck drops at like 7 or 7.30, depending on how long the intro takes. And we had dinner reservations for six at an Italian restaurant in Maple Grove. And we get there, and Chris, thinking ahead, okay, loving, you know, loving relationship, Group of friends. Just get to the point. Well, I'm getting there. I'm walking it up. Let me tell the story. So, he, so seven o'clock puck drop. Seven thirty dinner reservations. Like the time, you can't do dinner after the game because it's too late. You can't do dinner at like five o'clock because Whirly Ball is at like nine. So he, in a savvy way, made reservations in the bar area of this Italian restaurant, right. but wanted six. So they they only have they only have like high rise or whatever the high top tables for four. And then they have these sort of like looking out the window uh, bar seats, and they didn't have they didn't have enough open tables to put two together. So we were faced with a decision: do we split the group up, have four at one table, and then three people, two people, like looking out the window <laughs> away from the other four, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that Chris can watch the game? And the women in the group are like, "This is ridiculous. Let's just get a table in the dining area." Mm-hmm. And I could see the look on Chris's face. Like, uh-huh. I need to see the game. I'll sit at the bar alone. I need to see the game. I'm with Longer on the <laughs> so It's far. like wife's birthday. So we compromise. We set the phone up on the table and just watch the game. <laughs> like those commercials where the where the guy is watching on the date. He's like got the Sprint phone and it's in his lap and he's cheering oh, during the date. <laughs> I would have. Oh, I would have been so upset. I would have oh, been. Poor guy. It's his Capitals. <laughs> She's gonna have a birthday every year. <laughs> well, I was gonna say if it's Dawn's birthday, the, no. and it was North Star's Stanley Cup, you're home. saying sorry, hon, oh, your we're birthday not going is now that. tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. You're, you, we can celebrate your day on any day. The North Stars ain't moving their game. Oh, poor Longer. <laughs> Let's talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers and that four-minute video of the bench after oh. the J.R. Smith uh, screw up uh, at the end, end of regulation game one. LeBron. Not speaking to Jr., looking very forlorn, upset, and eventually almost in tears into the towel as he threw his head back and slouched in his seat, not believing that what happened actually just happened. Simple question, boys. Off that, what's the angriest you've ever been at a coworker? Name names, please. I've got. I mean, I, I think it's Judd's turn to go. I do. I do have an obvious story. Tell yours first, because I've got to think on, on this one. Actually. Are you trying to think of a story to I'm tell, to... Or, or how much you want to throw someone under the both. bus? Oh, definitely both. Okay, <laughs> definitely both. Because um, and and I Full will I will yes. preface this, uh, and you'll both laugh at me for like my prefacing, trying to couch this by saying the person I'm going to tell you a story about is also a person that I owe a lot of credit to, like <laughs> me having a career. Sure, he hired me as an intern. We've worked closely together for a decade. 
I really, really like this person as a friend and a coworker, except for this one moment that drove me absolutely crazy. The last ever episode of Roycey and Mackie. And Dave was there for this because I, I believe Dave was the videographer for this. I was doing traffic for Kenny that day, and they asked to come in and hold the uh, the cell phone camera to catch the last yes. moments. Uh, it was a, it was kind of a J.R. Smith moment, but we weren't in the championship game clearly. So, <laughs> so Pat Pat and I are wrapping up the last ever segment of a four year run of Royce and Mackie, and then Judd and I were going to start our show like the next week or so. It was a three day week, and we were going to start our show the next week. And so we're getting, and the plan was, okay, we had something set up to where we were going to hug it out on camera. Like we'd argued for four years, the curmudgeon and the punk. And it's this really unique 40-year age gap, and we see the world differently, but it, the show was awesome. And we were going to hug it out at the end as the bumper music played. Or we might have even had a song or something that we were going to play. It was like this choreographed ending to the show. And, um, you know, in radio, behind the curtain, you have... Our show doesn't have this because we're not on a, a statewide network, but the last hour of Royce and Mackie was on a network, so we had to be out to commercial break by, let's call it, uh, 58.50 or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you have to kind of read the com- you have to read to see how many commercials are in the, in the commercial break to, to sort of do the math and time it. And so we all, okay, it was 58, 58.50 was going to be the time to get out. Well... And we had like 30, 30 seconds of bumper music. And so Dave's in here like ready to take a video of the last 60 seconds of, of Royce and Mackie. And we're kind of tap dancing our way to the last minute. And all of a sudden, the bumper music starts playing. 30 seconds of bumper music at 57.20, leading to a 57.50 out a minute earlier than it should be. Yeah. And so Pat, so it's like, oh, crap, there's... And so Corey gave us the, hey, you got, you got 10 seconds, wrap it up. And Pat and I are looking at each other like, we thought we had a minute. We thought we knew we were going to do like the last minute, and, and the show just kind of abruptly, the last ever show just abruptly like ends, <laughs> and we both like, and then and Corey realized, he he says in our ears afterwards, he goes, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry, I, it, it was supposed to be fifty eight fifty, and we were all just like, it was a perfect ending to an imperfect show, kind of clunky you were show, that worked. yeah." You're just sitting there with the towel, but we, and then Dave's sitting in here, kind of taking video of it, but it like wasn't anything. Oh, I'd like to see this now. We'll, we'll not put that up. We'll not. Post oh, I want to see that now. That'd be fun to watch oh, now. All right, your turn. Go ahead. I can't top that. I got to keep thinking. I was super mad for like I've been a couple with days. People, but I, I, I don't know that I have one where I've been where I've been that mad that I can't talk. Listen to so, you, so, so that's no, a, I'm trying to think of one. That's a lie. You're going to get four minutes in the commercial break right, to I'll think, think about one. who you want to throw under the bus. Okay, I'll think of one. All right, <laughs> Roycey and Roycey and Mackie, Mackie and Judd from the TCR <laughs> Broadcast Studios. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. Hang on a second. On fifteen hundred ESPN. <laughs> Mackie and Judd now continue. Prepare to be dazzled. On 1500 ESPN. All right, ask that third question right. again here. I've been thinking Since some again, more. A guy who's on been this. in the media for like I've 25, been, 30 years. Well, I just don't get mad that much. Who's been in... It doesn't mean that you have to throw someone... It doesn't mean like... I'm a great I guy. I was mad at someone and right. then no, I never forgave thought. them. I've been giving it more thought. Well, yeah, that, the, that's probably true too. The question was, off game one of the NBA Finals, we now have seen the video of the Cavs bench after J.R. Smith blew it and LeBron just looking forlorn and angry and not talking to J.R. and head in the towel, can't believe what just happened. The question was, what's the angriest you've been at a coworker? Okay, so I, as I've told you guys before, I handled exclusively for probably a three or four year period Sid Hartman's column. 
And so now, now people think Sid does not write his column. That is untrue. Sid writes his column. The person who edits it then must be must rewrite it into a way where it's English but yet still Sid. <laughs> All right. So when you when you, got you don't the want column. it to re, you don't want it to read like it was written by anybody. It still has to have the Sid isms in it. When you got it, was it bullet points? Was it no prose? It, it was prose. It was prose and the entire thing it was it was all done as as he saw it um but you had to go through and bold the names and much more importantly clean up the the copy itself and and most importantly if there was time fact check it so it, if it was opinion it, it was great cuz then you could just clean it up keep the keep the sid vibe in the column and be done but if it was about a lot of names of people and then uh, stats and facts, you had to check those. Because b- believe it or not, I know this is going to shock you guys, often it would be wrong. <laughs> so the NCAA tournament, this is the late 90s. The NCAA tournament, not the Final Four, I think a regional was here in 98 or so, 98, 99 at the Metrodome. And the second item in Sid's column that day was a bunch of people that he knew from the NCAA committee who were in town, and he was basically trying to ingratiate himself to these people. Well, I didn't have a ton of time uh, with the column that night, and I started trying to find these names. And this is, I don't think we we were on the web yet at the Strib, so I I would actually have to look these names up in an NCAA book. Anyway, long story short, I couldn't find them. And I'm like, odds of these names being spelled correctly are almost zero. And I can't find them. And so the choice is, do I just run run these names in and, you know, say uh, Joe Blow and Sam Smith are doing a great job? Or do I maybe take that part of the column, stick it on the next day's column, and we can fact check it the next day? I decided with option two. So I'm asleep the next morning at my house, at my apartment at the time. Any I love facts, facts were a big... A- Never get in the way of a good segment on the radio here for us. Oh, but, right. Uh, but in a column, they're, they're there forever. <laughs> and so, I, so I'm so i sleeping in the next day in my apartment in, uh, in Eden Prairie at the time, and my phone rings. And I think Dawn picks up the phone. Anyway, it's Sid. How, hey. could, you t- how could you take hey. that out? Hey. How could you? Why'd you take that out? Why'd you? And now with Sid, what you have to get about him is this. There's no, there's no answering the question back. He just wants to yell. So this is not a, well, Sid, I was going to ho- hopefully... He'll never work again in this yeah. town. Yeah, so basically it was just him basically berating me on the phone. And I mean, I saved his bacon quite a bit. So it's it's annoying when, when you work hard to make a, someone's prose read well than to have them get mad about something where I'm pretty sure those names were not spelled correctly. So that was probably as upset as I got at Sid as far as... I have to read your column. Basic, I think at that point he was writing for Sunday, Monday during football season. I want to say Wednesday and Friday. It was a lot of columns. So that, that annoyed me greatly at the time. Did he ever threaten your job over <laughs> oh, the time? Oh, no. No, 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 no. Now, Sid would say that, that he got me my job, which I still don't believe to this day to be accurate because he didn't. Uh, but no, my job was never threatened. What were you doing before, Sid? Well, I was, okay, I started at the Strib as, as a guy that took scores. And I saw that job in, in the paper. So the Star Tribune actually put an ad for, for itself. 
And so I got that, that was my first job. My second job was what they basically call formatting uh, box scores and standings and updating them. And then from there, I jumped to the copy desk. Now, did Sid help me? He probably did. Did he get me the job specifically? I don't know. Who would have a better chance of making a high school three pointer right now? Ninety-eight year old Sid Hartman or Judd Zolgad? If you put if you put <laughs> Sid Hartman, Zolgad, and Royce out there, and lock the door, and, and someone, lock, has, to and make someone a basket has to make a three outside twenty feet, and Sid's got the walker, so he can brace himself on the walker. I would say I would put my odds on Sid, Patrick, and then me at this rate. Okay. <laughs> Although I'd go granny style now. I didn't even think of that. Granny style. I'd is, go granny style, and I think I could make one. You because because it would have been it would have been a, a softer bounce up on the you know back of the yeah, rim it iron. Exactly. It would have maybe like landed in that way. Throwing mm-hmm. it, the the problem was because I think I almost made four, but when I threw it and it would hit the rim, it would come off the rim too hard. Yeah. So I think. To what you're saying, if I had lobbed it up there, it hits the rim. It's physics. I get the bounce, yeah. yeah. So I think I could do it now. If people haven't seen the video, if Facebook.com slash 1500ESPN, just click on the videos tab. I have another off this question from Dave, the most mad you've ever been at a coworker. I was, I'll, I'll tell you another Roycey and Mackie story. I think you guys have probably heard this one, but we were on a remote broadcast <laughs> at a golf course one time. We did, uh, I think it was like 2010 or 11, we did... We did every Friday show was at a golf course, mm-hmm. or, or or maybe it was like every Thursday show was a golf course, and Friday was uh, Lake Minnetonka. Where we were out and about all the time, and we had some technical difficulties one day where we had we had two phone guests lined up, and the first one we could hear the phone guest, but they couldn't hear us. So on the air, you hear. Ricey and Mackie, how oh, we got uh, Judd Zolgad from the Star Tribune talking Vikings. Hello, Judd. Uh, guys, guys, are you there? And then, so you'd be able to hear Judd, but Judd couldn't hear us, and it was complex. So the first, the first guest we had to scrap. I think it was a big name, might have been like a Vikings guest, a Schefter, or some big guest. I remember hearing at least one of them was Kevin Seifert because I so, remember specifically so, listening to it. So Seifert was the second guest, mm-hmm. and we get Kevin Seifert on, and same problem happens. All right, Kevin Seifert. Seifert is uh, with us. Let's talk some Vikings, whatever. And hey, Kevin, how's it going? Silence. Hello? Hello? Uh, sounds like we still have some technical difficulties. And, and, and Pat starts to like get mad and starts to kind of look at the, you know, it's frustrating. Yeah. But we're told, hey, let's, let's give it one more shot. And we, I think we gave it like three shots with Kevin. And then on the third one, Kevin, are you there? Well, that's it then. And yep. it just wasn't working, and so I give the I give the hey let's I'm giving the motion like let's just move on let's just let's just get into something else we got we have a we're doing a radio show let's just get out of it. And Pat was so mad. <laughs> Pat he's got the stick microphone. He sets the microphone on the table and crosses his arms and leans back. <laughs> and, I, and I and I'm looking at him like all right we're uh, yeah, we're we're out here at Chamonix and. So uh, we and I and I'm like doing I'm like trying to kick around another topic and Pat's paying zero attention to me. <laughs> Just sitting back. And finally, I hit him on the arm and I gave him the. We're on the radio. We gotta keep going. And I was so mad that entire afternoon uh, that he just like gave up on the show because nobody, we couldn't. Get Kevin nobody handles technical difficulties worse than Patrick. <laughs> oh man, it was great. Anyways, let's get to Rob Fornis here when we come back. We here. hope. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, guys. Hello. Guys. Hello. 
Uh, yeah, Rob's been the longtime assistant head coach under John Anderson. And if you're not on the Gopher Baseball, if you're a baseball fan of the Twin Cities, Gopher Baseball is further along than they've been since Paul Molitor played in the late 70s. So we'll talk to Rob Fornis here. Let's uh, first get a word in here for TCL TVs, America's fastest growing TV brand and the third largest TV company now in the world. Uh, they, they distribute and manufacture all in one. And so they are able to connect with you directly. If you go, I was wandering around a local retail store here this weekend, just checking out the 4K picture quality. And so we have a 55 inch TV in our studio here. I think the one I was staring at was, I don't know, 65, 70 inches. It was massive and it's incredible. If you think that your standard 1080p high def TV at home is great and it's been great for five or six years. Wait till you get a load of the 4K picture quality. I mean, it's like it's like you're looking through a window and uh, and you're just like watching people five feet from your face. It's pretty amazing. And uh, you can find out more at TCLUSA.com. The 4,000 plus streaming channels, including if you're watching college baseball, like we're talking about Gophers, you'd be able to stream the uh, Watch ES. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Let's just say that it could cause Molly to start smoking. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. That was man. That was fun last night. I was at Siebert Field last night. I know you you were watching. Watch ESPN is the app that people could can watch the regional games on. But um, the Gophers advancing. And now the NCAA tournament expanded to sixty four teams about twenty years ago. So the, in the super regional uh, format, this is the first time the Gophers have gone that far. It's the furthest they've been since nineteen seventy seven, when Paul Molitor was the centerpiece. And Rob Fornasier has been the assistant head coach. He's been on the staff for three decades. Uh, that's not a, not a bad way to send you out in your last year here, Rob, going to a Super Regional this weekend. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. appreciate it. Uh, yeah, the kids have just done a tremendous job. It's been real rewarding, and uh, we're looking forward to this coming weekend. What did, what did that atmosphere and that culmination these last two or three days what did it mean to you, having having been with the Gophers for so long, and and just to the program, seeing twenty five hundred people packed in, and and just seeing the atmosphere uh, at, at the new Seabird Field? Well, there's no doubt that playing at home is a factor in the NCAA tournament play. Uh, just to give you a couple of examples, uh, this is my seventeenth NCAA regional that I've been a part of with the Gophers, and we've only played two at home, mm-hmm. and. It's a factor. It's a big difference. When you go to Texas A&M or Fullerton or Arizona State or Miami, Florida, wherever you go, uh, you know, there's several thousand people there, and they're all against you, and uh, it's yeah. an uphill climb. There's no doubt. And so the electric atmosphere that was created at Seward Field, uh, people now know where the venue is. They know how to get there. Uh, the people are right on top of the field, and if nothing else, we created some more uh, college baseball fans over the weekend. Exactly. So, Robin, when did, did you know that, that this team was different? And and what about this team? Because you've, you've certainly been around some very successful clubs. What makes this team different from, from the ones that, that didn't get to this stage, do you think? Well, uh, in past years, we've had really good ball clubs. We've always had a couple of holes, either no depth in the pitching staff, uh, lack of a back-end guy, or maybe even some holes in the lineup. We've had individual great players, but maybe not enough balance. This club has been able to do three things successfully. Uh, we've been able to get real good starting pitching for the most part. We have a superstar at the back of the, the back of the game that's been just really lights out the whole season of Max Meyer. 
Uh, we've been able to apply pressure consistently offensively up and down the lineup so you just don't depend on one or two guys. And we've been very good on defense. We've, we're among the national leaders of defense. In fact, someone told me, I, I didn't even know this myself, that we were ranked number one in the country when you consider national rankings between uh, batting average, pitching ERA, and fielding percentage. Yeah. So a pre- pretty good balanced club, and, and that's why we haven't lost uh, for a long time. If I don't know if it's out there, Taryn Vavra made a play at shortstop last night, and I, I want to say the bases were loaded, but it was early in the game, and the and the game was was in the balance, and it was. And by the way, the sun at that time of day is coming up. It's <laughs> if you're in left field, third base, or shortstop, and the sun's in your eyes, and some dude for UCLA hit a screaming one hopper, and Vavra kind of went. He he basically stopped himself from getting decapitated, but fielded it, turns a double play. For people who haven't watched a lot of Taron Vavra, who are just sort of jumping on board right now, and he's one of the best hitters in the country, how would you describe him as a player, Rob? Well, you just described it. He's one of the best in the country. He was named first-team All-American by uh, Baseball America last week. I would imagine that he'll be drafted fairly high uh, come this week. And uh, he's a special kid. I mean, he's uh, worked really hard on his defense. Uh, he's been healthy uh, for the first time in his career for an extended period of time. And he's matured as a hitter. And, uh, you know, we just feel real fortunate to have him. And, you know, for every kid on the team, there's a recruiting story. But in his recruiting class, he was the last guy that we signed. And, uh, you know, he was a kid that was about five foot four and weighed about 110 pounds as a freshman in high school. So wow. he was a late developer and, uh, he's really worked on his skills. And he's a coach's kid, of course, has been well documented. His father, Joe, with the Tigers and formerly with the Twins. And, his baseball IQ is high, and he plays with no fear, as you saw yesterday. Oregon State now, Rob. How tough is that club going to be for the uh, three-game Super Regional? Well, there's been nobody in college baseball in the last three or four seasons has played more efficiently, more consistently than Oregon State. They have a remarkably consistent club. Uh, I was just looking at them in preparation this morning, and they actually have very similar numbers to us uh, across the board, defense, pitching, and uh in offense, just to give you an idea, their number one and two pitchers are 25 and two between them uh, in a record for the season. Their number one kid is 15 and one. He's got 142 strikeouts in 111 innings. So God. they are a very, very formidable club and a very experienced coaching staff. It'll be a big challenge for us. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, Luke Heimlich, the last two years, this dude has an ERA below two and strikes out about 12 batters per nine innings. Is it, have you guys laid out your? I mean, is it is it is Fredrickson? Is it just a no brainer game one, or do you do you shuffle things up? What do you do? I'm sure that yeah, we've been pitching Reggie Meyer on Fridays uh, the whole year, and Reggie's been very strong for us. I mean, he's pitched over 100 innings. He's eight and three. He's matched up with a lot of good ball clubs, and so uh, I think we have a very good one two punch as well. Yeah, and really at this point of the year, guys, it just comes down to two out of three, mm-hmm. and uh, you know. So you don't need as much pitching maybe as you do at other times of the year. Uh, so it'll be uh, head-on-head with the best kids from their club and the best kids from our club. So, Rob, is being part of this the perfect way to potentially go out, or do, do you start to say, man, this is sure fun. I, I might, you know what, I, one more year. What the hell? <laughs> well, uh, 39 years as a college coach and 33 here with the Gophers, I just felt like it was time to turn over the responsibilities to somebody else. I mean, I knew last fall, really, in fall practice, that we'd have a special club. Uh, 
you know, every year you start over with teaching and you start from ground zero. But this, this club had such good retention and was so driven uh, in the weight room. Uh, they took care of the jobs uh, academically. Uh, it was just a club that had very good internal leadership. And so I was really looking forward to uh, to working with them this year and seeing what they could do. And obviously they've answered every challenge. Uh, for me personally, I mean, uh, it's been an honor to be a baseball coach at the University of Minnesota. I'd work for John and, uh, you know, I'm just holding my head high and, and hope we can keep on going here. Where, in, in your mind, was uh, was college baseball at when you started coaching? And as you prepare to leave, how much has the game itself improved, do you think, throughout that time? Well, several things have affected it. First of all, the rules in professional baseball have changed in terms of slotting in the draft. So there's more kids that are drafted late that go to college. And so your talent level has improved across the board because of that professional baseball no longer drafts a kid let's say in the 37th round sits on them all summer and offers them first round money a day before school starts i mean that's that's the way it used to be and uh i can remember we lost several kids in the last week or so before school started they were terrific talents and uh, they never went to college and so that's changed dramatically i think the other thing that's changed is the ncaa has done a very good job of leveling the playing field across the board uh, in terms of legislation. We have the same number of games, same number of coaches. Uh, we have the same number of practice opportunities that anybody across the country does. So it's created a little bit more parity across the country. Uh, a couple more minutes here. Rob Fornis here is the assistant head coach, go for baseball for, for three decades. And I know you guys have not only a new practice facility, all of the ath- athletic programs do, but you also have the Glenn Perkins family uh, I guess attachment to Siebert Field. Can you give a couple just specific examples of how the upgrades, either at Siebert Field or just just across the street there at the at the giant facility, how that have impacted the Gopher team or how it might going forward here? Well, the most obvious is six years ago when we built Siebert Field, the new Siebert Field. I mean, there is no way that we would have been able to host a regional if it wouldn't have been for that facility. I mean, there's just no way and. So the generosity of many, many people, including the Paulette family, to get it going and John's diligent efforts to raise the money have really led to this point. Uh, secondly, uh, the Athletes Village, if you want to talk about that specifically, the academic center for the kids, they hang out there all the time with their counselors and their tutors. The nutrition center has been a godsend for all the sports that are equivalency sports because they don't get anything for free. And obviously the chance to eat some meals there, courtesy of the athletic department, has been a godsend for our kids. And then obviously the Glenn Perkins Performance Center is the first dedicated baseball space that we've been able to construct in the history of the program. And the kids, the hitters especially, hang out there all the time and uh, you know work on their own. And certainly if there's inclement weather, you can take advantage of it. So, yeah, there's been a lot of improvements that have helped, no doubt. Yeah. Well, good luck this weekend. I think uh, right. you got a lot more fans on board here than maybe a month ago, and it's been it's been fun to follow. Hopefully, you can uh, pull two out of three out in Corvallis. Thanks, Rob. Very good, guys. Take care. All right, Rob Fornis here. Thank you, longtime assistant coach and assistant head coach, right next to John Anderson. They so Rob is the second longest tenured Big Ten coach. So if you just took all the coaches, assistants, and head coaches, he's second. John Anderson's John. number one, and then, and then Rob Tell the story, Fornis would be number two. Oh, of him cutting me? Yeah. You got to tell the story. <laughs> we actually had him on our show from Seabird yeah, when they it. opened it up. But That's just, a long time ago. It feels like two or three years ago. 
Yeah, I was. I mean, I was a decent high school baseball player. I was. I wasn't like I, there was two or three guys who went on to play college baseball for a few years, and and I was going to go play. I, I initially was going to go to school at St. Thomas, and I don't know, go to their journalism school, and and I was going to. I had some sort of an academic scholarship or what have you, and I was just going to go play Division three, some Division three baseball, and maybe I don't know, see what happens, but. I fell in love with the U of M so much on my tour. I went with a couple buddies and I said, I, I got to go to school here. I'm not a division one baseball player, <laughs> but like they have a fall ball tryout yep. where 30 people. I mean, it's however many people are told about it basically. And so I was one of 30 people that went out for this fall ball tryout. And uh, I think they wound up keeping one or two. They kept a catcher and a left-handed pitcher or something from this workout. Mm-hmm. And the first drill, it was a two-hour workout. And I didn't embarrass myself by any means. There's a lot of good players who show up for this who go play Division Two or Division Three or whatever. And they and then just to fast forward, they they will tell you as they break up with you after two hours, we will gladly put a phone call in to like Mankato or whatever if you sure. want to go keep playing baseball. But the first drill out of the gate, and Rob was the Rob Fornesier was the one who was organizing this workout. He's a grinder. And uh and I and two names were called. Phil Mackey and such and such. And it's a 60-yard dash in the outfield. Yep. And I just remember thinking, you know, what I, pretty good steal a bunch of bases. And I played some center field in high school. And, like, this is not this is going to be good. I'll be able to showcase some, some wheels here. <laughs> this dude not only beat me, but this dude could have taken a four-hour nap in the middle of this race and woken up and still beat me. Like, he just destroyed me in this race first out of the gate. Which means if you're if you're planning on taking one or two guys out of this workout and you're looking for specific skills, yeah, I'm like the first name they crossed yeah, off the like, list okay, of this workout. Yeah, that's he's done, whatever. But I always appreciated at the end of that workout, Rob goes individually to each of the thirty players or the twenty eight that that got cut, and he kind of puts his arm around you, so to speak, and he explains to you the things that they liked, but then the reasons why you're not a big time baseball player, yeah, and makes you feel good about the rejection. And I remember him saying, you know, you got to. You definitely have a, a a good accurate arm from the outfield, and uh, and you can hit to all fields, and you're you're gap to gap line drive guy, but we're looking for a particular set of skills. <laughs> nobody, he's like nobody in this group is going to be a starting player for us because we give full we give scholarships to those guys. Right. We're just looking for guys who can come off the bench and add a skill of and some maybe kind. Pinch run. And you have no discernible <laughs> skills, <laughs> which would have been. A- Great line. You have no, and like, Phil, but here. the way he said it was like you don't have any like <laughs> you're not good at yeah. what we're looking you for. You can't help us. <laughs> He's like, but if you want us to put a phone call into Mankato or somewhere else, but I was just like, you know what? I'm totally fine with this being the last of my baseball. We'll put in life. a call to some junior college in California for you. How about that? And I don't know if he even read, like we asked him when he when he we, he came on with us when they opened Seabird Field and I and I we told the story to him on the air. And he didn't remember it specifically, but I'm sure he does. Should have po- pointed to the press box and said, son, that's exactly where you belong, up in that <laughs> yes. box. And here I am. Yep. Now I get to talk about You can about talk a good game. Yeah. Um, let's, we'll come back, wrap up the show here. Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 in Brooklyn Boulevard, where my family and I have been going for 30-plus years, almost as long as, or probably in the same neighborhood, as long as uh, Rob Fornes here and John Anderson have been with the Gophers. And, and you know what? Once once you get a taste of great loyalty and two way respect, you never you never walk into Luther Brookdale Toyota and think, oh man, they're going to clean out my pockets. They're going to you know they're going to make up some 
ailment with my vehicle, it's uh, it's honesty, it's trust, it's some of the best, most knowledgeable people in the industry, and then you couple that with the brand new facility, so to speak, and uh, and then you you even add on to that the durability of Toyotas and the trustworthiness of Toyotas, and it's just a place. Trust me, you, if if you're looking for peace of mind and you're looking for all those things I just mentioned, 694 Brooklyn Boulevard is the place to go. I got to get in for an oil change. I'm slacking on the oil change. So I got to get in there sometime this week. But uh, if you want to find out more, Luther Brookdale. Now back to Mackie and Judd, live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. This is going to be my happy place. On 1500 ESPN. Get your Independence Day off to a running start with the Red, White, and Boom TC Half Marathon Relay and 5K on July 4th. Come out to Boom Island Park for this Twin Cities summer tradition. Get your run and first picnic of the holiday under your belt. If you're at the lake, out of town, that's not a problem at all. You can run the virtual Red, White, and Boom wherever you are at celebrating the day. For more details and to register, visit 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. (laughs) Uh, thank you, Dave. Gary tweets into the show. I will be saving Judd's three-point shooting video for viewing whenever I'm feeling not very athletic or out of shape. See, no I'm okay. Offense. I'm okay with that. I tweeted back. That's fine. I think the only thing I take offense to truly of all of these was I, I think you said on Facebook that someone basically said I should go kill myself. I think that's a little bit off the charts. I'm actually going to read those comments. I think that's a little. I think that's a little bit aggressive. The man card thing. I scoff at insinuating that people should go kill themselves probably not necessary i don't know man that was a pretty bad shot it was bad <laughs> it was bad i'm just saying it's probably not necessary you probably don't need to go down that path that's just me i would i would be curious to see what a what a judd zolget golf swing looks like is it like a kind of a charles barkley hitch last time or would it be more like a jim furick sort of twisty I, turn i haven't played golf in a while but i did golf uh for quite a few summers on, on a regular basis on par three courses and the swing was not great, but it wasn't Barkley. Okay. It was, it, I think it was, how can I describe it? I would describe it as ugly, but not horrific. Well, here's some of the comments on Facebook.com slash 1500ESPN. You can't ever criticize anyone any longer. Has Yuri Putz? Yep. <laughs> How is Judd a sports writer? See, this is what I love. Now we get into the fact, <laughs> oh my God, you didn't play for the Timberwolves? You didn't have a, a, a Division One college career? Please come forward and say this is a bit and not your actual ability to shoot a basketball. That's the most common one. Like that has I got to that be one fake, a lot. right? I got that one quite a bit. That I'm actually that I'm fine with too. That doesn't bother me a bit. Uh, this guy says, I hate myself for watching this whole video. I love that. <laughs> I got a few of those. And I think it was so bad that people couldn't stop. I sensed I sensed from a few of the comments I saw that my shooting ability was so off the charts bad that people, I think they thought at the end I, I was going to pay it off and like hit a perfect shot. Just, uh, he's and just then sitting all, on this Ray Allen And then it was all motion. just a, a bit, but that would have been an I amazing got a few, hustle. A few times. Could you imagine if Judd spent like the first 25 shots shooting the way that he did and all of a sudden he's just been sitting on this Reggie Miller? I think they thought that the, coll- the shot that Collar made at the end was going to be me. And oh, that was not. I don't that know if I was going to be. That. Oh no, it was not. Uh, let's not see here. I think he meant to do a warm up pass. How could that be a shot? That's uh, okay. That's uh, I'm going with that. I like Judd that. Bott would have been better, or at least talked smack during the. <laughs> I got a tweet asking if Judd Bott was going to break down my shooting performance. He did not. Judd, it's a basketball, not a football. 
straight face. Yep, that's because I was throwing it. It looks like you have never even seen a basketball before. <laughs> muscle memory is gone. That's all I can tell people. The muscle memory of how, of the actual shot was gone. This, when when would you have shot your last pass? You said it has been 20 years. Did you play pickup? I don't what even do think. I uh, completely guessing. I'm guessing either the very early 90s would have been the last time that I shot or maybe the late 80s. Wow. But but did, I, you, did you ever play in a league even as a kid or did you yes. just, just shooting with friends? Nope, nope, nope. I played grade school basketball at St. Therese uh, for a few years. I played in a rec league type kid league before that league. Did they ever pass you the ball? Yeah, and I was, but I was a big man. I was the biggest kid in my class. So I was the, the post. I would get the ball and lay it up. I rarely took shots. I basically would lay the ball up, foul kids. So you were like trying six, to you were sixth them. grade Shaq, basically. Yes, exactly. Okay. Did I ever take a shot from the outside? I don't know. I don't think so. Probably not. And I certainly and and I love the Judd Zolgat certainly didn't take three pointers. They didn't. <laughs> they didn't exist. There's a point in the video here. It looks like about halfway through where Judd goes into sort of dribble rhythm mode, and you did do kind of a between-the-legs dribble. You lifted your leg up yeah, entirely. And Collar got yeah. very offended yeah. by it. He's like, God, stop doing that. Never do that again. I did that. Uh, yes. Paul, Paul comments on the video, all I heard watching this was the play-by-play from NFL Blitz on N64. What a truly pathetic display. <laughs> oh, man. See, now that's creative, though. It is. It is. I can appreciate that. Um, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know what the parameters are for this, but if uh-huh. it involves you as a street hockey goalie, okay. I will I will show up and make a fool out of myself as a as a left handed hockey shot. Well, let's do it. I don't point. know if I could actually raise the puck if we use like a puck that you would use. you get those like rolly pucks, right? Mm-hmm. We could use them on the concrete, mm-hmm. or we could use tennis balls. I could get a tennis ball. Tennis off ball the be ground. fine. Okay. Yeah. Let's make it happen. All right. Do you need the, uh, next Do you need all the goalie gear? What did you wear as a kid? Against me, he may not. No, I don't. No, no. I wouldn't need the uh, goalie stick. I would. I would need a, gl- a baseball glove, a mask, w- which will suffice. No mask and a. Is cup. that more out of like and a cup? Assurance that I kidding. probably can't raise the the object that high, or it's a pain in the butt. I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not wearing a mask. You're like those '60s goalies. I've been back in the day. You're gone. I didn't yeah. wear. A, I didn't wear a mask. <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 no. No, if I had a baseball glove, uh, preferably a first baseman's mitt, um, a goaltender's stick, and a cup, I'd be fine. Okay. It's going to be really uncomfortable when we walk into play play it against sports together and just by one. Like me and Judd (laughs) go into one. We we both walk into playing against sports and buy one cup and show up to the desk together. (laughs) We need need two sticks, a ball, and a cup, and And, that's all we need. And some candles. And do you have have some potpourri? And pray for us. We need it for a video bit. Don't ask questions. Yeah, don't ask, yeah. yeah, just sell us the stuff. And do you have an old like Kenny G Greatest Hits CD, too? Because we could use that as well. It worries me that you said you're going to buy a cup at Play It Again Sports, by the way. <laughs> it would just be used once. I'm fine with that. It just gets used once. Yeah. How? I mean, that's going to be it, then. It'll smell like Febreze. It'll be the end of my career at that point. Really the end of my oh career. Oh, my God. Alrighty. Oh. <laughs> See you guys tomorrow. Find our uh, our full four-hour show on the Mackie and Judd Show page, 1500ESPN.com.